Well, I want you to look at your watches and note what time I'm starting. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to rush. Life is too short for that. And I'm, I'm getting older and slower anyway. So just hang on. We'll get there after a while. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 9 through 12, When I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you. And so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Acacia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. But what I do, that I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory they may be found even as we. I think some particular passages of Scripture are just good for this kind of setting. We all readily recognize that Paul is in the defense of his apostleship here. He's saying some things to the church that the church ought to have said about him. But sometimes people are slow. There is a wind that runs through our sovereign grace churches that frightens me a little bit. I hear from many of our people we do not praise men, we praise God. We don't we don't worship men, we worship God. And that's true. But there is an attitude about that that bothers me. I think the church ought to be grateful for the men who have been called by God to preach unto her the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think these men ought to be esteemed. To esteem a brother and to thank God for him is quite different from worshiping him. 
But I don't think the men who preach the gospel, who labor, watching for our souls, praying, ought to be walked on like mats in the front door. And we can get so oft times, and that's always a great danger about us. We either too far to the left or too far to the right. We can't get this thing in the middle. Let's swing her in the middle. I've seen churches who treat their pastors and, and the men who labor absolutely worse than they would treat their dogs under the pretense of worshiping God. And I think in worshiping God, we ought to have an appreciation for the Lord's servants. They've got beautiful feet. They preach the gospel of peace. I'm grateful for the man I heard the gospel from. I'm grateful for that man. I'm glad. I'm glad he came by my way. Amen. Ever so often I'm in West Kentucky and I'll go to the Oddfellas Cemetery when I go through there and lay a, a flower on an old man's grave who pointed me to Jesus Christ. And I don't think nothing is wrong with that. Oft times my brothers and sisters, we can become so heavenly minded we are no earthly good. And I thank God for men who preach the gospel. I thank men, thank God for men. Some of you, some of you who've been on the sideline, I had the time to set uh, this evening with four or five of the brethren and, and share, and I won't go into that, I know the hour was late, but. Uh, I had a time to share. I, I, John Riesinger said last night in my presentation that uh, um, prior to a few of us, he had not been around a, a black Calvinist. Uh, when the Lord taught me the gospel, I thought I was the only Calvinist in this world. I didn't know there were any white Calvinists. I thought there was one. And I, I believe there perhaps would be 7,000 in Israel who'd never bowed the knees, but I couldn't find no one of them. <laughs> the black Baptists came together and held a meeting and sent me a letter and dismissed me from their fellowship. And for two or three years, I could not find a black preacher who would even speak to me. Letters came from everywhere into my church telling members to leave, to run. I turned to heresy. And then I knew then that there were some white Calvinists because they said white folk have messed him up. <laughs> and I said, well, at least there are some out there somewhere. Some of you don't realize the burdens have been born to preach the gospel. Some of you don't know the suffering, the anguish, and the pain. Every kind of lie, every slanderous tongue 
that could be raised against some of us, have been raised to hush our mouths in cities and to put us out of circulations. And one of the great comforting things for me is to come in a gathering of this kind where I suppose men believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and love each other and won't allow doctrinal camps to knock us off from what we're all about. How am I talking? The gospel is paramount. The weeping souls tonight lie along the pathway, drenched from the midnight of sin, down in Sarah's valley, hovered over by the midnight of iniquity. They couldn't care, nor would they understand anything about a millennial reign. They need to be told, look to Christ. The elected love of Christ is too precious for us to draw swords and to fight Good to have a little laughs and good discussions to rub our minds together, sharpen them in these discussions. But I pray, brethren, when you go back home, preach Christ. Amen. Do not take the opportunity, if your cousin brings a nun to church Sunday morning, to attack the Pope. <laughs> Ignorance has no place in this business. And some of our brethren just enjoy being told uh, five minutes before the sermon that a Camelite's in here or, or a free willer is in here or Catholics in here. I, I don't think we ought to fight against so much. Preach Christ. You don't have to preach against worshiping Mary. Preach worshiping Christ. I have a good feeling the Holy Ghost will get the message to us. I, 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 just, I just feel like that. Thank God for men who have prayed, who have studied, laid at the feet of Christ, the best to have, and ascertained what they could. And don't be a fool. We don't know it all. But all that you do know, preach it. Preach him. If you run out of something to say, you stand in the pulpit and holler for Jesus about 10 minutes and give the benediction. You've preached him. <laughs> Paul said in these verses, I, I, want to, I want to pick at this a little bit. The truth of Christ is in me. He takes this as an oath, but he declares as the truth of Christ is in me. And that stirs my spirit. What does he mean by that? Why, why doth not the truth of Christ come out of men in pulpits on Sunday morning? I tell you why. Because the truth of Christ is not in them. And I tell you what's in the well will come up in the bucket. Oh, 
I know, I know, I know you can, uh, you, you, you can, you can, you can get a, a quick copy of a Pink's book, uh, read one of uh, a little something from Gill's Calls of God and Truth and, and brush it up and sort of make it Calvinistic and, and get in the pulpit and do a good presentation if you're a pretty good orator to impress maybe if John Reesinger's in your church. But I tell you, it's got to be in you to keep coming out of you. Can't be a sideliner here today and over here tomorrow. If it's just in you, you don't have to make a liar lie. Just talk to him. <laughs> You'll just start lying automatically because lying is just a part of him. The truth of God ought to be in us. We ought to be certain and sure about some things and stand there to the glory of our God. We do have a hope in a crumbling culture, in a dying society. We do have a hope, brothers. We do have a hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Let the sociologists, the psychiatrists, let them say what they will or may. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And without him, man is dangerous to himself, and to others. The truth of Christ is in me. I'll be back there in a few minutes. Paul said, I, I want you to know something else. I am not a false apostle. Shouldn't have to say that. Sometimes you have to. Because you know, it doesn't take but one crook in the world to kill everything you're trying to do. Every time you hear about uh, uh, I fellow newspaper man called me when Mr. Swaggart got in a little trouble. And I don't glory in that. Nobody else should glory in that or anybody else's trouble. So were it not for the grace of God, you'd be in the same trouble. Amen. Amen. Uh, the newspaper called, what's, what's, what's this done to the church? I said, ma'am, please. My God, church is fine. She's doing well. And one little pebble can't knock over the rock. Church is secure. She's strong. I am not a false apostle. That's, that's a matter that confronts every one of us who preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because sometimes just being a preacher is a burden. You walk in the supermarkets in your house, people are looking for something to accuse you of. They are, they're looking for something to deface you with. You live under that grim every day of your life. It's, it's dangerous to be on your parking lot talking to a sister about some mission work. It's, it, you can't be in your church on Saturday evening with two or three little girls about Sunday school. You, 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 you can't be at a house too late at night. Your car's got to be parked. You, 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 you look at a, you at a woman's bedside and she's dying, but it's 12 o'clock. You've got to move because your ministry is going to turn into a pumpkin. You're running all the time. You're scared. We're under pressure because somebody's looking for something. Something to accuse us of. Paul said, I want you to know I'm not a false apostle. I want you to know something else. I'm not a deceitful worker. What, is, what does it mean? What does it mean? What is he talking about? Why is it necessary for Paul to defend himself? Why? 
Why does he choose this time to speak up for himself? Paul says, now number one, I don't want any man to accuse me of running for your money. That's, that's, that's a great problem. It's an issue that faces all of us. I, 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 I saw the burden of Brother Warrell. Here's another preacher begging for money. You, 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 need, you need some finance to carry on the work. And, and where, where are you going to get it from? You, 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 it's almost now become a burden to ask for an offering in your church. Uh, uh, you get to ask for a special offering to help uh, build a school in the West Indies. Well, then I can't even buy a new suit for a year. Because they've claimed I've taken the money and bought the new suit with it. Uh, you, you're under all kinds of burdens. Uh, but I, I, I've got some good news for you. Paul said, I, 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 I didn't take your money because some brethren from Macedonia helped me. Some brethren, some brethren from Macedonia supplied my needs. I don't know. I don't know where they are. But I believe tonight in my soul, if I am faithful to the Lord, God will supply my needs. I don't believe the ministry of Jesus Christ has to be cheapened. I don't believe we have to beg. I don't believe we have to be open to exposure of ungodly men. I believe we must go back to our places and be faithful to the work. Because I believe God has still got some supplies in Macedonia. I think one of the good things about um, uh, these meetings, we get to uh, shake your hand, look at your name tag. What's your name? And I write a lot of names down. You, 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 I never know when I'm coming through somewhere. I'd love to know if, I, if the car broke down, is there a brother here? It's good to get each other's addresses while we're here. You don't know where you're going to be traveling and where you're going through. And I, I told you, you may not remember me, but I met you at the Bunyan Conference. My car, my motor just blew up out here. And I wasn't planning to be in your area too long. And I just brought a few dollars. Uh, can you at least get me a hotel? Can you get me somewhere to sleep until I get some money wired from home? It's good to know some brethren from Macedonia. Can anybody hear me? Don't destroy your Macedonian relationships. A man shouldn't have to dot every I and cross every T like you for you to extend to him human kindness. We are brethren. Is that right? And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Not your position on this and not your position on that, but that you have love one for the other. Amen. And don't come telling me about your little smart off about this and that. If you don't know how to love, you haven't even got in the ball game. Somebody say amen. amen. You ought to learn to say amen. Somebody say, if you haven't learned to love, you're not even in the ball game. Don't you write a book. Don't you say a thing. Don't you tell me anything about Greek. Don't mention Hebrew. I want to know, do you know how to love your brother? Can he get a piece of bread from you? Would you help him? Would you help him? Do you rejoice to hear his church is having trouble? Do you get excited 
when your membership outgrows his. That's the destruction of the Macedonian spirit. Can anybody hear me? We who would infiltrate each other's congregations with lies and split churches and tap homes and destroy minds of worthy servants of God. Don't tell me anything about doctrine. Talk about the love of God. I want to leave this conference knowing some brethren I haven't known before. And believe you are. And believe you are. Do you hear me? Do you hear me talking? Believe you are. I want to go back to Lexington, Kentucky and say I met some fine Christian brothers and sisters. I met some new brothers and sisters. We, we are, I long to see them again. I, I, I want to hear how they're doing. I want to hear how the work's going. I, I thank God for them. We met as brothers and sisters, not white, not black, brothers and sisters. I didn't call you a honky behind your back and you didn't call me a nigger behind mine. We are brothers and sisters. We are, we, 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 hey, hey, we, we know something about the Macedonian love. Have I got you? If you don't get that, forget it. All I learned is to confirm my millennial position. I told you about that mess last night. Brothers and sisters learn to love. But when I'm in need, I want some supplies to come out of Macedonia. We are not members of big conventions where we can apply for loans and grants. And we're out here struggling, preaching the gospel from place to place. And whenever I hear of a trouble down there in New Jersey with Brother McCall, Something ought to be going in my pocket and say, his church burned down. The church blew over. Let's not wait. Let's get some money down to New, up to New Jersey and say, here, Jim, take this money. Get that work going. You got a good work going. We ought, it, it ought to be some love among brethren. And it's enough of us that one of us shouldn't have to suffer and be exposed before unbelievers. I'm preaching in a Bible conference. Hear me tonight. Hear me tonight. A brother shouldn't be in rags and you haven't got nowhere to hang your suits. He shouldn't have to be suffering for hymn books when you've got them stacked up to the ceiling in your place. And his character ought to be defended by us. Don't let a man sow seeds in your heart against your brother. I'm a Calvinist. I believe in the doctrines of grace. Do any of you believe that? We do. Down in my toes, I believe it. Fight you over. Not like that, but I, if you push me, I don't know. <laughs> don't allow the Macedonian fellowship to be divided. Because one's a premillennialist and one's an armillennialist. Tell, we talk about that among ourselves, but to you outsiders, get out of my face. Huh? What you need is Christ. 
We talk about a lot of things in the inner circle, but that's not for you, Bidah. No, no. How do you stand with Fred Zasper? I stand with Fred Zasper in the corner because Fred Zasper loves my Lord. He preaches Jesus Christ. Is that right? Fool, a man's a fool. Let another man come in his house and talk about his wife. You're not going to sleep in my bed and talk about my wife. Yeah, you may not like my wife, but you better keep driving. <laughs> and if you don't think she's pretty, don't you tell me she's ugly. I might just nail your nose to your face. For she's precious to me. I'm going to leave this point, but I came to preach it. The brotherhood ought to be precious to us. I said the brotherhood ought to be precious to us. We have too much to stand together for than to be divided over two or three issues. Thank God I didn't have to bow and scrape the brethren helped me and I tell you what, brethren will help you. I'm going to leave verse 10. We've been catching a few minutes, all right? I want to pick at that bone right there. The truth of Christ is in me. I think that's what made this preacher the kind of preacher he was. And, and I think it's a thing that's not maybe being making many ministries productive. We've got all the learning. We've read all the books, but we're not taking off because the truth of Christ is not in us yet. There's not some kind of denomination you just come and join. Man, we in war over here. And you who preach the gospel in your cities and your hamlets and your villages, you know you in war over here. Telling some brethren today, I got to Lexington in the the pastor of the First Presbyterian Church came to see me. It was very impressive, very impressive. And he said he wanted me to come to the ministerial fellowship. I knew I wasn't going to stay, but I was a new boy in the block, and I went on over there with him because I knew they were going to drive me away. Oh, well, I stayed there about two or three months, and I was going to the Tuesday meetings. And finally, the president of the conference said, what we're going to do, because he said, this is an ecumenical group. And we can all abide with each other with our differences. And everybody was grinning, nodding their head. And uh, he says, now what are we going to do for the next 18 weeks? We're going to select a preacher or a minister uh, from each uh, group, denomination or whatever. And he says, and we're going to allow him uh, the, to have the floor for the next meeting to present his denominational beliefs and so forth. And then we're going to get Father so-and-so from the Catholic Church and Rabbi so-and-so. And we're going to get the so-and-so from the Lutheran Church and so-and-so. And they went on down the line and selected the men who were going to represent their denomination and present their denominations before the group. Well, one of the pastors said that, he sort of laughed, he said, Mr. President, he said, yes, he says, ah, I tell you what I'd love to hear. He said, what is that, sir? I'd love to hear um, some good old Calvinist doctrine. And said, you know, the new pastor at Main Street is, uh, I understand, uh, Calvinist. The president said, no, don't bring that up. He says, now, we want to keep this a sweet meeting. <laughs> so we want to remain brethren. He said, now, you know what that will do. <laughs> said, you know what's going to happen. He said, just leave that, no, no disrespect, Brother Ward. He said, just leave that alone. 
because you know historically what it has done through the years. Everybody else was unopposed, but they wouldn't let me speak. And I took my marbles and went home. Because that, <laughs> that destroys us. He says, you know historically what that has done to the church. Thank God the record is clear. I said, thank God the record is clear. There are some who have gone before us. Whose bones are in the heart of the earth tonight. Who've paid a great price. Who's paid a great price to pass the banner on to us, and we must not let it fall. Paul said, the reason I did what I did, it was a love labor. It was a labor of love. Brethren, I say this with all clarity. If you've got no love for the elect of God, you have no business in this ministry. In eternity past, God chose him a people. Do you hear me? That's not a position, that's truth. Well, Brother Ward, that's your position. Don't tell me that's my position. That's the Bible. In eternity past, God elected unto himself a people, and they shall be mine. And they shall be mine. God declares, and they shall be mine. He gave them to Jesus Christ. Christ redeemed them, and they shall come to him. And we who preach the gospel ought to have an innate love in our hearts for the elect of God. That's why when a stranger comes in your church, you can't jump on him. He just might be a lost sheep. I still say, whosoever will, let him come. Yeah, I say that. Whosoever will, let him come, let him come. But I know who will. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I know who will. Bill Sasser tells a little story that I've told all over the country. Bill tells a little story preaching. He says, a man walking by the gates of glory, looked up over the gates and says, whosoever will, let him come. And the man sat there a while and he thought about it. He said, well, I, I think I might go in. So he sat and crashed his head a while. He said, I, I, I'm decided to go in. And he, and he walked on into the gates because he said, whosoever will, let him come. And when he got on the inside, he looked back and he says, chosen. <laughs> From the foundation of the world. That's who's coming in. You don't have to be afraid to say, whosoever will let him come, brethren. Nobody's going to slip in here. <laughs> Nobody will be standing around the walls. Everybody's got a seat. It's a reserved place for a particular people. Don't rush. Don't crowd. But you won't have anywhere to sit. You had a seat there before you ever born. Before he laid the foundation of the world, you had a seat there. 
Nobody can get your seat. No need to say and tell your mama to save a seat for me. If your mama's gone, she better get her own seat. My seat's reserved in glory. My seat's reserved in glory. Hallelujah to his name. Paul said, this is a love labor. I love the people of God. I love to preach. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of men who don't like to preach. And every time I hear of a man leaving the ministry, I say, amen. Well, I think anybody can get out, get out. I didn't take up preaching. It took me up. I didn't go to some school and learn to be a preacher. I was a preacher when I went to a seminary. You don't take an axe to a grinding stone and make an axe. You just take it to sharpen it. Does that make sense? Not going to schools and seminaries. Brother Rorell is not trying to build a school in the West Indies to make some preachers. He's got some over there. And they need to be sharpened. They need to be sharpened. They need to be endowed. They need to be taught. But he's not making preachers. Preachers are not made by men. They are called by God. You find out the little pastors look at you and tell you, son, you're looking fine. You, you know what? You make a good preacher. He gives you a Bible. He gives you a little license. You jump in the pulpit and you preach for about two or three years and you soon find out it's not for you. You've got to go. Those whom the Lord hath planted will abide and will preach to evil eyes and ugly faces. I enjoy preaching to a place with some good warm amens, but I can preach to the devil too. <laughs> I think some folks sit and look at you. If I make a hard, ugly face, it might intimidate him. Well, I'll make a hard, ugly face and keep on preaching. <laughs> and sometimes you either get up and walk out, and I'll say, bah! Goats don't like sheep food. Goats don't like sheep food. If you, if you got a, a contrary goat in your church, feed him some sheep food. He'll go join the Free Will Baptist Church every time. Paul says, I want to, I want to stop some bad mouths. I'm doing what I'm doing that I made... Cut off the occasion from them which desire occasion. They were accusing them of preaching for profit and preaching for gain while they themselves were actually doing that. So Paul says, what I'm going to do, I want to cut off the occasion for them having the occasion to accuse me for something they themselves are guilty of. We must be careful. My brothers and my sisters, we must be careful, not sisters. My brethren, we must be careful. Don't start preaching. <laughs> Don, don't let Mary Ann preach, please. <laughs> we must be careful. 
in our business, in our actions, in our characters. We must be careful not to give them occasions who are looking for occasions. Why? Why? Because we love God and we love God's people. Find me a preacher who loves God's people. I can walk on a man's church and sit five minutes and tell whether or not he's a professional orator or whether he's a lover of God's people. The lover of God's people had a pleasure plea in his voice. I wouldn't jump on the Pope. I'd preach Christ to him. Well, God knows he needs it. I wouldn't jump on him and beat him up because I don't know. I know some of you say, well, he can't be elected. I don't know who God elected. I tell you what Papa always told us, when we plant a field, you water the whole field. Not all the seeds are going to come up, but since you don't know which one is coming up, make sure they're all watered. So anytime you got an occasion to preach, preach the gospel. You don't know God might have one out there. And my sheep will hear my voice. Oh, shucks. You'll hear my voice. They'll come. We don't need church building programs and call in somebody from the convention to get us some members. Preach! If the PA system goes out, preach! If a few shows up, preach. Get down by your Jordan. Preach the gospel. They'll come from downtown, down to the Jordan. You'll get your crowd when God gets ready to send you one. Just preach. Stay where you are and preach. And quit shopping from city to city and from church to church trying to find something. Get to your station where God has put you and preach the gospel. God's got you there. He's got some sheep there. And they will hear. And they will come. I want to stop bad mouths. I want to do what I do that evil ones can find no evidence to bring me into judgment. We must reduce the power of the adversary. The greedy who accuse us of being greedy are exposed for who they really are. Why? For God's glory and because we love God's people. Every man ought to examine his heart carefully on that matter. Do I love God's people? Is it told? Is it told? Is it told that Calvinists have no missionary zeal? And we are not concerned about sinners? Is that told? Whence cometh this lie? Who is the perpetrator of it? He must be our adversary. For I don't know anybody who loves souls like people who love the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know anybody who's happier to see a man converted than we are. We just don't march him down the aisle and make him repeat a prayer. Well, I just don't think that's necessary, brethren, because if a man's in a boat and he got in his sense at all and the boat's sinking, he knows to holler for help. Oh, yeah, you don't have to pull up beside the boat and say, repeat after me. He'll holler help himself. 
Yes, right. We don't we don't need three stanzas of just as I am. He'll holler. When God ever shows a man who he really is, he'll cry out to him, Oh, thy son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, thy son of David, have mercy on me. Hush, hush, hush. Don't stop me. Don't leave me alone. I'm not talking to you. I'm calling on Jesus. Leave me alone. God, I'm not. Oh, thy son of David. Send her away, master, she cried after us. Send her away. She didn't come to see us. Us can't help. She came to see Jesus. My daughter is grievously vexed. Help me. Well, I, I wasn't sent to the, but to the Lordship of the house of Israel. But help me. It's not fit to take the children's bread and give them the dogs. I didn't ask for the bread. Give me the crumbs. Oh, when your soul gets hungry, you'll ask for heaven's crumbs. You don't have to pull them down an aisle. You don't have to throw them on a tarrying altar. Preach Christ. And Christ will give them an appetite for himself. For he is the bread of life. When they get an appetite for Jesus, they'll cry out, Oh, bread of heaven. Bread of heaven, feed me. Till I won't no more. Tell that's done. Preach the word and pray your clothes and pray and go home. And the fellow said, if you, the old fellow told me one night, he says, hey, Ralph, if you'd preach five more minutes, you'd got me. I said, I wasn't after you. <laughs> but I know one, if he ever gets after you, he'll get you. He'll, won't, he, won't he get you? Hallelujah, he'll get you. He'll get you in the first minute. He'll get you in the first five seconds. Mention his name. Up, he's got me. Up, I'm hooked. Paul said, I don't know why. I don't know why I did. I don't know why I did. Just a, it's a habit. 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 Paul said. Paul said. The truth of Christ is in me. Truth of Christ is in me. That sets me apart from every Jack in Lexington. Doctor so and so and father so and 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 so. What makes you different? The truth of Christ is in me. What 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 what's it what's it what's it your church? Frampton, what's in your church? Said the other folk, the truth of Christ is in you. 
When you go into a city, stop looking for a good singing program and a good children's program and a good this kind of program. You better find a program where a man is preaching where the truth of Christ is in him. The truth of Christ, the truth of Christ is in me. What are you talking about, Paul? Paul says, Paul says what I'm talking about, the reality of what I appear to be, I am. I am on the inside, but I'm sounding like from the outside. There's something real about me. I owe it not to me, but I owe it to he who abides in me. Hmm. Hmm. I just didn't agree with a system of doctrines, brethren. I had a conversion. Amen. The biggest argument, and Bill Sasson, I think you remember this, the biggest argument I ever had was at the Sovereign Grace Bible Conference. And a preacher said he did not believe in an experience. He said, I don't know anything about an experience. This thing about conversion and being changed. He said, I don't know anything about it. I, 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 I believe him too. <laughs> I, believe, I, I believe him. I believe that preacher. I believe, I believe, I, I believe he told the truth. He said that. You remember that? I don't know anything about experience. I've had no conversion. And I believe he told the truth. Brethren, I preach conversion. And you better preach it. You've got a church full of hoghouse rats. Hating you, hating God, fighting, and tearing up everything in the world. And God prunes your congregation. You better say, let them go. A few left the church and a few of the brethren came to me in the office and said, well, pastor said, so I, I, I think you ought to go after the, the lost sheep. What do you do about the wandering monkeys? <laughs> and the sizzly snakes. What do you do with them? The sheep won't hear the voice of Christ. They won't hear me. Sheep will abide. Sheep will abide. Sometime God comes through and prunes your churches and then you go back there and beg them all to come back. You're begging off trouble. The sheep will abide. Preach the gospel. The sheep will abide. But I haven't got any cages to put all these monkeys in. Sheep graze. Monkeys swing on their tails. Leave them where they are. sitting there gazing and looking at them. If they had been of us, they would have stayed with us. Have I got any warriors? Paul said the truth of Christ is in me. What do you mean? What do you mean, sir? What do you mean? Brother George, don't you yawn on me, please. 
<laughs> fan him, fan him. <laughs> it's nothing worse than Amelie and sleeping on the front row. laughing. The truth of Christ is in me. He said, you wait for me to start preaching. Uh, he's waiting for me to start preaching. Now, uh, <laughs> well, I guess I better quit then. <laughs> the truth of Christ is in me. What's in you? What possesses you? What's got you? What, what motivates you? I'll tell you what's down in here. The, the, the essence of the pre-existent, predetermined purpose of God is boiling in my soul. The essence of it, the, the pre-existent, predetermined purpose of God is rolling over in my soul. It, it possesses me. If, if, you don't, if you don't see me on the, the golf course, you'll understand I'm a praying man. I'll, I'll give up vacation to go preach the gospel because it's boiling in my soul. Every time you see me, I'm a preacher. What do you want to do? I want to preach. What's, what's your hobby? Preaching. What do you do for pleasure? Preach. What do you do for fun? Preach. I'm possessed of it. The purpose of God, that, that predetermined purpose of God is boiling over in my soul. Find me a man, find me a man, find me a man where it boils in his soul. He preaches the gospel. What do you mean? What do you mean? The truth of Christ is in you. Well, well, something like this maybe. I was, I was captured to seek. I sought. I sought and found him by whom I was captured. Only to find out that I needed not to seek him at all. For he had already sought and found me. Amen. Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do so you believe that preacher? I said, yes, I do. But I tell you what, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord, it's a recall. Because the only man who's going to call is the man who has been called. He had to call you to leave the number. It's a private line. That number's not in the yellow pages. Ah, no, 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 no. You called him. He called you first. You sought him, you sought him because he sought you and found you. 
Is that right? I'm not a false apostle. Eternal reality is real in me. False ones speak from their own heads. We speak from the heart of God. We carry the message of love to a lost world. We carry the message of light to a dark world. Trembling, standing on the bows, about to be broken, destruction and chaos all around us. But here we stand, here we stand, no money, not big churches, don't pass the cathedrals. Here we stand with our handfuls, happy in Jesus alone, satisfied with all he has done, complete in him, free from the law. There's no condemnation. And you tell me I don't have something to be happy about. I'm not a deceitful worker. They speak to their own gain and grandeur. Ah. But we speak to his glory. We speak to his glory. We want him glorified. You know what? I go back to my home where I was born ever so often. I don't go as much as I used to because all the folk are gone. But I find myself wondering about houses. If my mother were living today, she would be 86 years old. There are a few of Mama's old friends still living around 84, 85. And, and I, I, I often wonder why I just go by to see Miss Adel and to see Miss Anita and to sit on the porch with them a while. And uh, I'd always go by then. And I found out one day why I... I love to go by Miss Anita, Miss Adele's house. Because sooner or later, they're going to start talking about mama. They're going to tell me about how nobody in Murray could bake a pie like your mama. They said, nobody in Murray can make biscuits like your mama. She said, nobody in Murray could fry chicken like your mama. And I just sat there and just rock on the porch and big old tears running because I love to hear folk talk about my mama. Well, you know what I love about a sovereign grace meeting? You talk about my Jesus. I get, oh, shucks. I get happy. I get excited. I get to bawling because you're talking good about Jesus. Don't, don't you love to hear somebody talk good about Jesus? Throw the glory on him. Hasn't he been a good God? Isn't he a good God? Isn't he a wonderful Savior? Isn't he a mighty God? Isn't he our counselor? Isn't he our deliverer? Isn't he our rock? Talk about Jesus. I love to go by folks' houses who talk about Jesus. I like that kind of conversation. So you know, I was down, and he, he raised me. I was sick, and he healed me. I was in prison, and he brought me out. I was lost, and he found me. And I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying more, 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 more. When you start bragging on him, something runs all over my body. I don't know about you people in here, but I love the name of Jesus. 
I'm not ashamed of the name of Jesus. I love his name. I love his name. We preach not for our gain. We glory in his glory. Who told me this today? Heard it twice. Who told me? I don't know. Someone, one of you told me. Said the little, said the, the janitor was sitting in on some school. Well, y'all have been told me, and some theological school reading, reading the 20th chapter of Revelation. And one of the one of the distinguished professors came by and said, You don't understand that? He said, Yes, I do. He said, What is it? He said, Jesus wins. We glory, I'm about through, we glory in his glory. We like his glory. His glory meant much to him, too. Oh, shucks. He gloried in his glory. <laughs> sure and certainly. He gloried in his glory. Give me the glory that I had with you. Before the world began, he gloried in his glory. Gloried so much in his glory, he hang himself. And he beat himself to death. He beat himself to death. And he was pleased to beat himself to death. And he's going to see what he beat himself to death for. And he shall be satisfied. He beat himself to death. He's going to satisfy himself. And he who beat himself to death raised himself and gave a radiating brilliance to the glorious resurrection too much for mortal man to comprehend and declare to his own glory that all power is in my hand. Yonder, 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 yonder. Who is that? Who is that? Who is that cloud rider? Who is that? Where is he going? Come here. You see him? In like manner, he shall return. Huh? No, 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 no. No more in the manger. He's through with mangers. Yeah, he's through with mangers. He's through with mules. Forever in his glory. And all of the saints of God say tonight, glory to your name. Don't we say that? Glory. Come to Main Street, I sure got to do this. <laughs> glory to his name. That's the word of the saints of God. Thank you for coming. Goodbye.